Hello and welcome to the Robert A. Heinlein Book Club. Uh, in this episode, I'll talk about Goldfish Bowl, um, which was published in March 1942 in Astounding. I know I promised to talk about either Waldo or Jonathan Hogue, which is like the two last major works we have before getting to uh, um, Heinlein's rather uneventful World War II service. But I, I just have to think a little bit more about Jonathan Hogue. It's, it's, it's another one of these books that really novella like short short novel that you'd almost confuse for a philip dick novel if you didn't know better i mean it's it certainly sounds like it it, it would have i mean if you put it in a philip dick anthology people would probably not be surprised and you know maybe think oh that, that could have been written by philip dick um so it's something i just want to meditate on a little bit more it's it's certainly a very one of the more interesting stories um you know i, I guess i feel this way about the fantasy stories by Heinlein. they're not Although I like fantasy uh, stories, especially if those set in our world. Uh, I think some of Philip Dick's best stories are that kind of in that genre. Um, you know, we call him the Heinlein for the science fiction. So, um, as, as weird as it might be from time to time, that, that's why we're here. But I, I think I'll talk about Jonathan Hogan in the next episode. I just uh, wanted to sit on it for another day um, or two. Um, so anyways, um, Goldfish Bowl... Uh, it's a Navy story. That's interesting because, of course, um, Heinlein, you know, had his naval experience. And so there's some interesting aspects here about naval, like, solidarity and camaraderie and, and life on the on the boat and all that all that stuff. Um, but basically, it's set during peacetime, so it's not like a... Um, it's basically the Navy is going on a scientific expedition to service, to basically help some scientists investigate these... Uh, like essentially they're pillars they're pillars of water that are um projected up into the sky um i think they're just called pillars um and yeah they're capital p pillars and there's really no clear nat explanation for it now um they have like grab people um apparently you know there was a story here um where is it uh, a clear, balmy island day, no clouds, barometer normal, light breeze, nothing to suggest atmospheric disturbances, no maxima of sunspots, no static on the radio. Without warning, a half dozen or more giant fireballs, ball lightning of an unprecedented scale, floated across the golf course in a sort of skirmish line, a line described by some observers as mathematically even, an assertion denied by others. A woman tennis player, a tourist from the mainland, screamed and began to run. The flanking ball nearest to her left in its place in line had danced after her. Uh, and then basically she was killed by this. So this isn't the pillars of water that we're getting from the ocean, but it's another sign of like a something that seems to be a natural phenomenon that that seems to have preternatural ex, require preternatural explanations. So uh, you send out the, the Navy to investigate this. Um, now, the title of the story is Goldfish Bowl, and that comes up as a theme in the book several times. One of our characters has goldfish, and he's asked to care for them, so we're, we're, we're asked to think about them, not only in the title, but in the personal life of one of the characters. Um, and then ultimately, the story is, you know, centers in on a literal goldfish bowl. Well, not, maybe not literal, that's wrong, but like a, you know, a, a goldfish bowl for humans. Essentially, and then underneath all of this is like a broader story about um, about creation, 
and really what are we created for? What was the earth created for? And, and I think all this makes for a really, really interesting story. Um, in fact, the creation thing is hinted at in the, the little um, teaser that you get on the first page of it, which it's not a bad picture. You have two boats coming towards these giant water pillars. Um, so anyways, you got this picture of the two pillars of, 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 you know, in the ocean and our teaser is, it seemed a fairly complete, if brief way of explaining to the world creation took eight days, but they hadn't been in the goldfish bowl, but they hadn't, hadn't been in the goldfish bowl to gain the understanding, um, end quote. So it, it, it seems it's about, about creation and our, and our place. And it, it actually, I think Jonathan Hogue is actually a kind of similar story, um, thematically, uh, quite different and I think the perspective is very different this is in some ways more like a Lovecraft story and and Hogue is more like a Philip Dick story um, but both are dealing with the question of where we come from and where the earth comes from and and our relationship with creation and and with our creators and that's not something that Heinlein had really explored much before he's he's dealt with uh, mostly other issues I can't think of any other story that he wrote that deals directly with the question of, of creation in quite this way, as these two stories do. And so I'm looking forward to that being a theme that he's going to explore in future stories. Um, I mean, causality, I guess, is explored in by his bootstraps, but, but this is a much more straight, like, why are we here and where do we come from um, kind of question. So basically, the Navy sends out this expedition with these scientists to investigate these things. They send in the boat, and two men are lost uh, in the in the expedition. Most of the first half of the story is just kind of setting this up, where we hear about what the, these pillars, we hear about other preternatural phenomenon that scientists are kind of trying to unpack. We hear about we we get a lot on like just like like the life in the navy and the experience of, of naval officers, and that's all good fun stuff. Um, and then about halfway through the story, we have the loss of of um, two of the Two of the figures, Bill Eisenberg, who's who I think are they both scientists? I think one's a Navy guy and one's a scientist. Bill Eisenberg uh, and and the guy Graves. No, maybe Graves is a scientist. I, I forget which. It, does, it doesn't really matter. There's an older guy and a younger guy that that uh, apparently were killed. And we actually get the ceremony uh, on the ship of the of the funeral, the funeral at sea kind of ceremony. That's a nice little thing. So I think. You know, it's not military science fiction in this story, but there are, um, you can tell there's like a, a love for the Navy and its traditions and its people and, and, and the risks they take. So Heinlein is, is honoring uh, the Navy in, in a small way, I think, in this story. But let's get to the, the heart of the story um, so we're not here too long. Um, they're in essentially like, they're in the equivalent of a goldfish bowl, um, but there's some sort of aliens keeping them there right and they're not really being well cared for so it's not like the zoo it's not like the cage in you know the star trek episode or there's an orville episode that's very similar to it it's not like that where they're being like maintained and cared for or experimented on and and being watched it's really the the metaphor here is so much better in a way you know we we've seen this trope before uh where, where aliens like capture people and then like put them on display 
and and feed them. That the Orville episode that does this is very much that way, where they put these two people who used to be a couple in the same room together and they're supposed to breed and they're supposed to be happy and content and not rebel and it's it's trying to create a perfect environment for them and then there's an implication that there's like an awareness and attention to them right but the metaphor of the goldfish bowl is totally different like how often do you pay attention to your goldfish like maybe you look at them a little bit i mean most people like goldfish are are disposable Right. They, they're not, you, you know, some people have aquariums where they set up a whole apparatus and, you know, recycle the oxygen and, and maintain an environment and put lots of fish and cultivate it and, and go on that show. The, was it uh, Fishbowl Wars or whatever? Fish ta tank wars. I, I forget what it's called, but there's some reality show where people make these fish tanks. Uh, you know, there's some people who really put a lot of time into caring for their fish. And then there's the, like the people who have the goldfish. And they just drop it in the goldfish bowl and it swims around for a few days and then they're not really well cared for. You might watch them a few times and then they die and you flush them down the toilet. That is a much more interesting metaphor to explain how these aliens, let's call them aliens, uh, would, would respond to them, would treat them. That, yeah, they're an interesting thing. Let's keep them in this bowl. Let's, let's watch them maybe a little bit in our passing time. But we're not actually going to study them or care for them. They are just disposable pets almost. And, and the worst kind of pets, not like a cat or a dog that you, you care about a little bit. It, it's more like the, uh, the isopods or the, or, or, or the goldfish or the guppy or, or um, a, a pet at that level, right? I don't know where the line is. Because some, some people certainly do care for their fish and their lizards and their little snakes and stuff. But, you know, hamsters, maybe, the, you know, at hamsters, you start having more and more time investment and care. You got to clean the, the, the place for them and all that. And then when you get the cats and dogs, of course, they're much more part of the family, right? Uh, the goldfish, yeah, it's the disposable friend disposable pet you keep around that you don't even really try to understand or, or form a connection to you don't even maybe even feed them or care for them that much you give them just the minimum food you give them that crappy powder food right um and that's where they're at and then the rest of the story the second half of the story is these two characters coming to terms with where they're where they are in their fate and it's there's really no hope for them it's not like they can find a way they communicate with the aliens it's not what are they even aliens it turns out they're probably not that maybe they're just another species on earth that's where we get the creation like what was the earth created for question was are we not the highest life form on earth is there a higher life form that's where where this kind of comes off as a lovecraft story in a way like maybe the earth was not created for us it was created for someone and we're just like another one of the higher mammals on this planet meant to be used and abused and disposed of I don't want to say Heinlein's an animal rights person, but you can make almost an animal rights argument in this course of the story if you want to. Um, we have, we, then we just witness them try to come to terms with it and understand their situation and realize that it's, it's kind of hopeless. That, you know, they get a little bit of food to eat. It doesn't really look like food. It's pretty gross. Um, they, they don't have water, so they're not being properly cared for. So again, it's like the goldfish that's not being properly uh, maintained or the oxygen being circulated and, and or cleaned you know it's it's not meant to be a long-term residence because they're not going to live that long um 
And uh, the older one, the scientist character, who's kind of like our, our stand-in for Heinlein, the smart guy who, who kind of can explain through things. And even given their predicament, he's very rational and objective about the situation. Typical Heinlein type of hero. Um, who, who kind of reasons his way through this through the circumstance situation. Uh, you know, comes to the conclusion, they come, all, both come to the conclusion eventually that there's some outside force that's observing them. What is it? Well, they don't see it. Same way, I guess, a fish doesn't really aware of us. Is it a different dimensional creature? Is it translucent? Is it of higher intelligence? Is it an alien force? There's a lot they can't answer here. But the implication certainly is, is that there's... Um, that they are of Earth. They're just not of humanity and that humans aren't the highest um, life form on the planet. Well, anyways, the older guy dies and then this na this Navy guy is left. Um, and what's he going to do? He knows he's going to die too. Um, and he decides, I'm going to die. Maybe my body will be recovered someday. Maybe there's hope for the recovery of my body. Maybe there's hope for warning people about what is going on here so he can't like write a note it won't survive the only way he can do is like by scarring his body he can't like make a tattoo that'd be nice if he could but he doesn't have the equipment for that all he can do is like literally just like scar his body and write a message on his body through scar tissue and he doesn't have much time to write it and it can't you know he can only write it on the part of his body he can reach so he has to decide what the message is and the message we learn about later because we find out the body when he dies his body is recovered at some point later literally he's like flushed on the toilet that's uh what we're meant to think i suppose and he wrote the message beware creation took eight days the implication being that there was a, a creation after the seventh day well actually creation should take seven days because creation was six days and the seventh day was rest so I guess creation is seven days, but that would have been too confusing. That would have been seen as a tautology, I suppose. By saying creation took eight days, you're, you're forcing them to think about what this means. Um, and, you know, it's not, we're not, it's not, we're not told if the people really fully understand the message, but the, the message has been delivered. So in that sense, the story is the characters do achieve their goal of, of warning them. Um, And the final scene, uh, I think, is it Graves? He had his, uh, he, they were taking care of his goldfish, and they mentioned him trying to clean the bull and how it, like, tries to bite his fingers or something. So, they get applying, like, maybe the goldfish doesn't really want to be in the goldfish. So, that's the theme. So, to wrap up, we have these pillars in the ocean and these fireballs that seem to be connected. Preter they seem to have a preternatural explanation. Scientists go explore it. Turns out there is some other kind of life form, but it seems to be of Earth, not uh, alien. Um, so I guess uh, that's the story. It's a good one. This is a nice short story. I like these short stories. So many of Heinlein's stories are just long. I mean, even the ones that appear in Astounding in one issue. Or if you take like Jonathan Hogue, that's almost as long as like some of Philip Dick's entire novels. And, and it's just like one story and one issue of that one's in a... Uh, in unknown worlds. Um, Goldfish Bull, a nice 
digestible short story with a, with a nice, I think it really does have a nice punch to it. Um, it's, again, the first half is a lot of naval stuff and science musings about the preternatural fireballs and pillars uh, and all that. Um, but the second half, it really takes off when we, when we experience this really bleak and brutal uh, depiction of people stuck in... In, in a hopeless situation and facing their death with, with, with a degree of courage. Um, of course, Heinlein is going to um, um, give give that courage to his, his characters, his naval characters, I would think, a way of honoring them, I suppose. Um, so, um, really nice story. I liked it. Um, by the way, this was written under the name Anson MacDonald. It's not a Heinlein story. It's not tied to the future history. It's a standalone story. Um, and it's, it's quite good. I, I really do recommend that one if you haven't read that. So, um, yeah, so next time definitely I'll do Jonathan Hogue, then Waldo, and then I might do my Object All Sublime and Pied Piper in one episode because I'm not going to have too much to say about those two, I think. Maybe. If I, if, if I change my mind, I might do two separate episodes, but, um, I might not get a lot out of it. But yeah, this is a good one. Um, um. Worth worth checking out. The fireball stuff is pretty awesome. The 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 the, the natural the, the natural supernatural preternatural phenomenon. It's really cool. It's it's kind of imaginative and creative, and also something that's maybe believable because we do have wild stuff that happens on Earth, right, from time to time. Things that science hasn't quite fully explained, or on the border of explanations, or, or the mysteries, science mysteries kind of thing, and and that's a space to explore some of these these um, these themes. Um, but the conclusion of is, is Lovecraftian in it in its horror. It, it does it does work quite quite well. So um, that is uh, going to be it for now. Uh, thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.